taking one of the stones of the place, he put it under his head and laid down in that place to sleep. Now, I thought Amanda and I were really roughing it. You just come across this field and put a rock underneath his head and went to sleep. Now, this, this guy is impressive. And he dreamed, and behold, there was a ladder, and you may have heard of Jacob's ladder. You've heard that before, the stairway to heaven, right? you probably heard that phrase before. Set up on earth, and the top of it reached to heaven, and behold, the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord, the God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie, I will give you into your offspring. Your offspring will be like the dust of the earth, and you shall spread abroad to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south, and in you and your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. And here I want you to pick up on this part. Behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go. Matthew 28, right? The Great Commission. At the end of it, it says, Behold, I will be with you until the end of the age. So I wanted to make that connection. Wherever you go, and will bring you back to this land, for I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised. So here God is fulfilling the promises uh, to his father within him, the promise to Abraham and Isaac. But here's what I want you to pick up on, is that God is showing Jacob, that he has made a connection for his people to heaven, right? Jacob's ladder. He, he dreams and he sees a stairway to heaven. He sees this ladder. And what God is showing him is he said, I've, hey, I've made a connection from heaven to earth. I did it. I made this connection with this ladder. You're seeing this vision. And this is what it means. It's also letting him know about a relationship. He's saying, you are not alone, that I am with you. And there's some similarities, there's a lot of similarities, types and shadows of the Old Testament into the New Testament about Christ. And we see that in John chapter 1, verse 51. I'm going to turn there. Give me just a second. John chapter 1. Well... As they teach you in uh, instruction class, never turn your back to the class. John chapter 1, verse 51. Here's what it says. And he said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, you will see heaven opened. Sound familiar? And the angels of God ascending and descending. Sound familiar? On the Son of Man. Instead of on a ladder, on the Son of Man. That Jesus... Is becomes the ladder. He becomes that connection from heaven to earth. It's the hope that we have in Christ. And so I say all that to say there's two groups of people with two different goals. The Tower of Babel, that people tried to build a tower up to God. They tried on their own means to try to get to God. They had a goal of that I can do something, I can build something, I can do enough good to get to heaven to God. Then you have a second group of people who say, there's nothing I can do to get to God, that Jesus is the ladder. He is the way to heaven. I understand that. There's nothing that I can do. And now, instead of trying to, my goal of trying to get to God, now my goal is to try to help others. My goal is to focus on loving others. That's the second 
group of people that have goals. It's funny, it brings up so many like 80s church images about the, the clouds and the stairway to heaven and the, the ladder. But the goal is to help others see the ladder or the staircase, to see Jesus and to grow in maturity in Christ. So as we're thinking about goals, what goals do you have as a Christian? What is your mission? What is your goal, your primary goal, or your sets of goals as a Christian? And maybe you don't have any. And I pray that today that God would develop some goals within you. Probably, if you work in a corporate setting, you have goals. We all have goals. They have to be measurable and achievable and, and all of those things. It's good to set goals as Christians. And you, went, and you may wonder, like, what was Jesus' goal then? What did he come to earth for? What was he focused on? And I was reading the Master Plan of Evangelism by Dr. Coleman. And he wrote out this couple paragraphs. I'm going to read it to you of what he said was Jesus' goal. And so just hang with me here. Read the, listen to what I'm saying here. It says, The days of his flesh, Jesus were but the unfolding in time of the plan of God from the beginning. It was always before his mind. He intended to save out of the world a people for himself and to build a church of the Spirit which would never perish. That was Jesus' goal. To save for himself a people out of the world and to build his church. He said his plan was to win. His goal was to win. His life was ordered by his objectives or his goals. Everything he did and said was part of the whole pattern. It had significance because it contributed to the ultimate purpose of his life in redeeming the world for himself. This was the motivation and the vision governing his behavior. His steps were ordered by it. Mark it well. Not for one moment did Jesus lose sight of his goal. To see a world redeemed to himself. That was his goal. That was his objective. There was nothing going to stop him from doing that. He was going to win. He was going to follow his father's guidance to the end, to death. That was Jesus' goal. So I ask you, and we're going to take just a moment here to think about the goals that you have. What goals as a Christian, as a follower of Christ, do you have for your life? Maybe write out just, or think in your mind, maybe two or three. And we're going to circle back to this and modify it at the end when we see what Paul's goals are. On our camping trip, we had the goal of having fun. Not dying, coming back in one piece. To not let the raccoons take over our camp like last time. And mostly we succeeded. We had a lot of fun. Amanda got her foot stung by a bee as we were, we were leaving. So that was kind of a, a little bit of a bummer. We thought it was going to be hot. The first night was cold. But we still had fun. So we were able to meet our goals. And so here in Colossians, we're going to look at the goals of Paul, goals of Paul. 
as we look at and we understand who Christ is and who we are in Christ. And then it's important to understand, like, what does Christ want us to do? What shall we do with what we have? The treasure that we have, what do you do with it? So we're going to be looking at Colossians chapter 1, verse 24 through 29 as we end uh, chapter 1. Here we again we see Paul shifting from who Christ is, who we are in Christ, to his works and his goals that he is working toward, that he is striving for in the gospel. Verse 24, Now I, this is Paul, rejoice in my suffering for your sake, and in my flesh I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's affliction for the sake of his body, that is the church of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God that was given to me for you to make the word of God fully known, the mystery hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to his saints. Paul's got some really long sentences. <laughs> That's a long sentence. Verse 27, To them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of his mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. For this I toil, struggling with all of his energy that he powerfully works within me. So I pray you're picking up on some goals that Paul has as we work through these verses In 24, we see right out of the gate, this is what Paul is all about. This is his goals. He says, for for you, I'm sorry. Now I rejoice in my suffering for your sake. That's the first thing out of the gate that Paul talks about is his suffering. For I suffer for your sake. And I wonder, how does that make you feel? That Paul is saying, the number one thing about me and my ministry and what I'm doing is my suffering for you. It's kind of heavy. You may wonder, like, why is he talking about suffering? And Paul's suffering is, it means that God uses us, uses him, the suffering that Paul is going to, to extend the message of the gospel to others. Suffering is required. Christ suffered in his flesh, in his ministry as he walked around for three years, and he suffered on the cross, that suffering is part of getting the word out. And it's the opposite. I've talked about about that the kingdom of God is opposite a lot of times of what we think. Suffering is part of your Christian walk. I say as if you proclaim the name of Jesus, he's the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes in to the Father except through him. John 14, 6, if you proclaim the gospel that it's all about Jesus, you're penetrating darkness and the enemy takes notice. There's suffering involved. There's suffering involved with that. That is spiritual warfare. It's part of the thing. If you're going to be in the ring, you're, you're, you're a boxer and you're in the ring, you're going to get punched in the face. It's just going to happen. It's just part of it. If you're in the ring, it's not going to be fun all the time. Men and I didn't really understand the spiritual warfare involved with church planting and penetrating darkness. It's just part of it. And Paul is saying, I suffer for the sake of others. He's not suffering for himself. He's not sitting in a Roman jail cell and been beaten and shipwrecked and all the things that he had gone through. He's not doing that for himself. He's doing that for others. 
for others. He's doing it for this church that he has never met. He's saying, I suffer for you, for your sake. And so his, one of his first goals is to suffer. Amanda was reading the Beth Moore uh, book about her life and her ministry while we were gone. And, and she had mentioned in there, it's like, why does everything have to be so hard? And was like, that was one of the things I, I first picked up on in ministry, like full-time ministry. It's like coming from the corporate world into ministry. It's like things are like 10 times harder than they ever were before. It's like things break and break down and computers won't work and things are going crazy and haywire and things take 20,000 times more than it would. It's just part of that. And, and Beth Moore had said that in their book. She's like, why does everything have to be like 10 times harder in, in ministry? But it's just the way the way that it is. But I look at it this way, but we, we get to suffer with Christ. We get to suffer with him. With him. Verse 24, you may be asking the question of what is really going on here? Why is Paul saying that Christ is not um, efficient, is not enough? It says, is lacking. I am filled up with what is lacking in Christ's affliction for the sake of of his body, that is, of the church. And he's not saying that Christ's work on the cross was not enough, that it was lacking. He was saying that there's a continuation of Christ's work, that continuation of suffering, that Christ, he left this earth, he went to heaven, but there's a continuation of suffering that needs, that was lacking, that we, Paul does, the continuation of suffering is what Paul is talking about there, not that Christ wasn't enough. Verse 25 of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God that was given to me for you to make the word of God fully known. Here we see that Paul's goal was to be what Christ called him to be. It wasn't that he assigned himself as a minister. And minister means that you're a servant. It's like a waiter. You bring the food. You, you serve everyone. He's saying that I'm a minister. I'm a servant of all. This is what God has called me to do. He called me to do this. We talk a lot about that in the church world. Like you, to do something, to be a pastor or whatever, you ha- it has to be a calling because it's not easy. Paul's saying, this is not easy, but it's a calling that God has given me. And later we're going to see the strength that God gives him to continue in this calling. But he's saying, this is my goal is to be the minister, to be the servant of all as God has called me. Verse 26 through 27 The mystery, hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to his saints, to them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of his mystery. And this is the mystery from the Old Testament to the New Testament, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. And this mystery, that word doesn't mean that you just can't figure it out. It means that God has hidden it, from us, from the Old Testament, it was never revealed. It was a mystery. In the New Testament, it was an unfolding that God gave, and he revealed that. He revealed that to us, to Gentiles, to Jews, in the New Testament, New Covenant. That God revealed this mystery. We would never have known about it unless God revealed it. He unfolded it. He presented it to us. It was his unfolding plan If you asked a Jew today if God's plan with the Messiah was to bring the gospel, the, the saving grace of God to the Gentiles, they would say, no way. 
No way. I don't believe that. This is God's plan as revealed in the new covenant. That's not only for Jews, but for Gentiles, for those that put their faith and trust in Jesus. Verse 27, I want to read that again, that this, that this mystery is that Christ is within us. The hope of glory. The hallmark of the new covenant revealed to us is that Christ is in us. The hope of glory. That we have a personal relationship with Jesus and that he is the stairway to heaven. He is our connection from earth into heaven. And I think Zed Leppin, <laughs> Led Zeppelin, Zepp Leppin, blah, blah, blah. Led Zeppelin got it right with the stairway to heaven. So the the verses start off with a a lady, like all the glitter is gold. And what does it say? She's buying her way to heaven. Now, they're probably like, hi, I don't know what was going on. when You read these lyrics, like, I don't know, I can't figure this out. But as you read that and you try try to make sense out of it, part of it is saying, like, you can't just buy your way to heaven. Like, there's glitter, there's gold, you can just buy your way to heaven. And that's just false teaching, understanding of who Christ is. It's the opposite of what the world teaches us. Verse 28 through 29 Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. It's the goal of Paul, to present everyone mature in Christ. For this I toil, struggling with all of his energy that he powerfully works within me. Just to present everyone mature in Christ. I always struggled with that. I don't know if that you have. I'm like, why, if I put my faith and trust in Jesus, now I'm going to heaven, why, why do I need to do anything else? Like, Why? That it doesn't make sense to me. Like, I understand that Christ wants to sanctify us. He, he wants us to stay connected to him. He wants to, he, he, we want to be presented mature in Christ. That the sanctification process, that God wants to make us more like Christ every day as we stay connected to him. But I'm like, well, why? Like, why would I want to do that? I'm already going to heaven. And I think the answer is this. That as we, be, like our goal in life is to glorify God in all that we do. And I think the more we become like Christ, the more glory God gets within us, right? That's what I think. So I think the sanctification to present ourselves and to present others mature in Christ is the goal. And Paul says, hey, I don't want to do that by myself. If you see that last verse, he said, I have a calling within me that God has given me. And I have a strength within me that God has given me. And I use that. And I strive like an athlete. I strive with what God has given me from within. I strive for that goal. To focus on other people. To serve other people. To present them mature in Christ. Isn't that our goal as Christians? Shouldn't that be our goal is like the call, whatever God's called us to do. We we say that, finding our true life in Christ, whatever that calling is within your life, to use that and the strength that God has given you to help present other Christians mature to God. That's the goal. That's what Paul was doing. So to recap, I know we're going a little bit long. Paul's goals, the goals that he had that's presented here was all about others. He said, my goal is to rejoice in suffering, knowing that God uses that to help others. My goal is to be a minister, to serve all. That's my calling that God has given me. Number three, to make the word of God fully known. That's his goal. 
that you have Christ within you if you put your faith and trust in Jesus and you have the hope of glory to make God's, God's word fully known, to present everyone mature in Christ and to be reminded that Christ is within you, the hope of glory, the hope of glory. Your goal, application, your goal as a Christian is to not get yourself with your bag across the line first. Your goal is to help others to get across the line at the same time, to work together as a church for the same goal, the same purpose, with all the energy that God has given you, with the calling and the special gifting that you have within you to do those things that God has called you to do. So I ask, what are your goals? Have you changed the goals that you have? Or maybe you didn't have goals. Maybe you can work on those this, this evening and this week to write out just maybe two or three goals that you want to accomplish over your lifetime as a Christian. And maybe you refer back to these verses at the end of Colossians chapter 1 to help you to formulate those goals. And I would encourage you to share those with others for accountability. So I ask this question, are you out to be first and not serve others? Or are you trying to build your own way to God? Or do you see Christ as the latter, the only way to heaven, your hope of glory? And are you trying to help others to see and to mature and to grow in the same way? Romans 5, 1 through 2 says this, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him we also have also obtained access by faith into his grace, in which we stand, and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Praise be to God for Jesus. If your faith is in Jesus, you are connected to heaven. You have a relationship with God and you have a purpose in your life that God has given you. And you should rejoice about that. If you do not have that, if you do not have a connection, if you do not have a personal relationship, if you do not have a purpose, a true purpose in life that gives you hope and joy and meaning, I'm going to pray here in a minute. The worship team is going to come up. I'm going to have you guys, when they come up here and get ready, I'm going to have you guys stand up. We're going to pray. We're going to get ready to worship God as we get ready to depart. Um, But I just want to pray for you. I want to pray that God would give goals in your life, that you would find a a renewal of joy in your life about serving him, helping others lift others, peoples up, to know the true, full meaning of who Christ is.